Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 38 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on learning some of the content and message of the Gospel of John, chapter 16, in which Jesus promises another helper to help his disciples when Jesus leaves them. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible Orthodox Version because the World English Bible is in the public domain. To get the most of this podcast, it would be good for you to take about five minutes to read John chapter 16. Let's get started. In John 16, Jesus has just hours to live. He knows Judas was in the process of betraying him. His other 11 apostles, which were also disciples, had no idea what was about to happen. Jesus is talking to his disciples and is trying to prepare them for what is about to happen. He had previously told them three times he was going to be crucified and God would raise him from the dead on the third day. They did not understand him. Now he is telling them repeatedly that he is going to go away and will send them another helper. This is where we are at in the narrative in the Gospel of John. Jesus is telling his disciples these things so that they will not stumble or fall into sin. Jesus' disciples knew and believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they were not expecting him to die and leave them behind. They were about to experience Jesus' death on the cross. He did not want them to give up at this time of testing. Jesus is also preparing his disciples for his death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. Jesus knew that his followers were going to be persecuted by the Jews and by others because of their faith in God. Jesus was warning them that the life of being a disciple of Jesus would not be easy. He has already told them that those who persecuted and rejected Jesus would also reject them and they would experience the same treatment in the future from others that would oppose Jesus through their teaching. Jesus told his disciples that a time would come when other Jews would kick them out of the synagogues. Jesus warned them that those that would try to kill them would think that they were serving God by trying to kill them. This reminds us of Saul of Tarsus before he became a believer in Jesus. Later, Saul would go by the name of Paul. Paul at first thought he was serving God by persecuting believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus then says that despite him telling his disciples that he was going, that they never asked him where he was going. But because he had told them he was going away, sorrow had filled their heart. John chapter 16, verse 6. I find Jesus' statement somewhat puzzling. In John chapter 13, verse 36, after Jesus told his disciples he was going, Peter says to Jesus, quote, Lord, where are you going? End quote. Jesus never directly answered Peter. Uh, and Thomas said in, to Jesus in John 14, verse 5, quote, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? End quote. So it appears that Peter did ask Jesus where he was going and never pursued an answer when Jesus did not answer him directly. And perhaps Jesus is saying, hey, you're not asking me now. You may have asked me earlier, but you're not asking me now. Uh, where are you going? So uh, 
that might be what is being uh, going on here. After Jesus told his disciples that sorrow has filled their heart, Jesus told them an advantage of him going away. The advantage of Jesus going away was that the other helper or the counselor would come and that the other helper would not come unless Jesus went away. By referring to this other helper, Jesus was referring to the gift of the Holy Spirit that would be sent after uh, he died on the cross and God raised him from the dead and Jesus had ascended unto heaven. Jesus tells his disciples of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of three things. One, he will convict the world about sin. Two, he will convict the world about righteousness. And he will convict the world about judgment. What is conviction? Conviction refers to reproving someone, or it refers to exposing some kind of sin. It is often done in a way to correct someone so that they will get back on the right path. So what is conviction? The Greek word for conviction here is elegko. To convict means to show someone that they have done something wrong or to expose some sin or to bring to light some truth. It can refer to reproving or correcting someone. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, for example. It can mean to condemn or rebuke. It can mean to correct or punish someone. It can be in the sense of a reprimand or simply like a father disciplining his child to correct the child's behavior. The term is used of John the Baptist reproving Herod in Luke chapter 3, verse 19. In John chapter 3, verse 20, this word is used of God's truth exposing sin. So we see here that the word reprove is to expose or to rebuke or to discipline by pointing out something that needs to be corrected. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 24 to 25, we see that reproving reveals the secrets of the heart. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, this word is used of reproving sin. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13, that which is reproved is revealed by the light. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, this word is used of rebuking and exposing sin in others. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, reproving is done through preaching and teaching, and reproving others is to be done with patience. Reproving goes with rebuking and exhorting. In Titus chapter 1, verse 9, it is used of God's word that teaches us so that we will be sound in doctrine and can convict those who contradict the truth. In Titus chapter 1, verse 13, it is used of reproving people for their sins so that they may be sound in the faith. In Titus chapter 2, verse 15, a teacher is to exhort and reprove with all authority. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 6, this term is used of reproving a child to discipline the child by showing the child a better way to live. In James chapter 2, verse 9, God's law convicts transgressors. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus says, quote, As many as I love, I reprove and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent, end quote. The Holy Spirit reveals and exposes sin in our lives. The Holy Spirit rebukes us and corrects us so that 
we will turn from a bad path to a good path. The Holy Spirit will, re will reveal or expose to the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin is disobeying God, and he will also um, reprove and show, uh, uh, expose righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit then exposes to the world of non-Christians its sinfulness. The Holy Spirit corrects and disciplines Christians. Jesus, speaking about the Holy Spirit, says in John chapter 16, verses 8 to 9, quote, when he has come, he will convict the world about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. About sin because they don't believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you won't see me anymore. About judgment because the prince of this world has been judged. End quote. In John's writings, righteousness is something one does and it is the opposite of sinning. The Bible talks of righteousness as not doing evil and doing good to help those in need. There are also passages, for example, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, and in Paul's writings, in which righteousness is imputed for one's faith in God. God is the one who sets the standard for what is right and what is wrong. The Holy Spirit speaks to the world and to the church as to what is right in God's eyes, not only as to what to avoid, but also as to what to do. In Ezekiel chapter 18, Ezekiel contrasts the righteous and the sinner. The righteous does not commit sin, sins. For example, the righteous does do not worship idols. They do not commit adultery or oppress the poor. And the righteous walks in God's statutes and ordinances. Further, the righteous does positive acts to help others, such as giving food to the hungry and clothes to the naked. See Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 5 to 9. This is mainly how John uses the term righteousness. However, we should not overlook the righteousness by faith talked about in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6 by Moses, and in the book of Romans by Paul. The Holy Spirit exposes uh, righteousness to those with a humble and seeking heart who are trying to serve God. God's word tells us what is right and wrong. The Holy Spirit helps us see if we are sinning, such as when we are unkind, or he may prompt us to help those in need. The Holy Spirit does this in the place of Jesus, who is going to the Father, and the disciples will see him no more. They will see Jesus no more. The Holy Spirit also exposes judgment. The specific judgment is that the prince of this world has been judged. This specifically is referring to the devil, who has been judged by Jesus' holy life without sin his complete obedience to God the Father, his death and resurrection. Jesus then gives some more roles of the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit will be a truth guide. He will guide his Jesus' disciples into truth. The Holy Spirit will be a prophet of the future. He will tell about things to come. And three, the Holy Spirit will be a glorifier of Jesus Christ. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will guide them into all truth. He won't speak from himself, but he will speak what he hears uh, from God and from Jesus. As a prophet, the Holy Spirit will declare to Jesus' disciples the things that are coming. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit will glorify Christ. He will get his message from Jesus. John chapter 16, uh, verses 12 to 15. 
Jesus then repeats that in a little while his disciples will not see him, and then after a little while after that they will see him again. Next to the disciples were partnering among themselves what Jesus meant when he said that for a little while they would not see him, and then a little after that they would see him again. They were wondering what he was saying. Jesus knew they were wondering, and so Jesus told them more. He told his disciples that they will weep and lament while the world rejoices. They will be sorrowful, but their sorrow will be turned into joy. Jesus used the illustration of the pain and labor of childbirth that a woman goes through in giving birth to a child. After the baby is born, she forgets the hardship she went through because of the joy of her newborn baby. Jesus tells his disciples they will have sorrow, but Jesus will see them again, and their heart will rejoice, and no one will be able to take their joy away. John chapters 13 to 17 is a part of one teaching session Jesus had with his disciples hours before his death. Jesus keeps repeating himself on some topics, so they must be important. First, Jesus repeatedly talks about his relationship with God the Father, and that Jesus did not come to do his own will, but the will of God the Father who sent him. God the Father works in Jesus, and he who has seen Jesus has seen the Father. In John chapter 14, verses 9 to 12, Jesus says, quote, He who has seen me has seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I tell you I speak not from myself, but the Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Most certainly I tell you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and he will do greater works than these, because I am going to my Father." In John chapter 14, verse 20, Jesus says, quote, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. End quote. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 28, quote, You have heard how I told you. I go away, and I come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I said, I am going to my Father, for the Father is greater than I, end quote. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus says, quote, Everything I heard from my Father I have made known to you, end quote. Now, in John chapter 16, verse 27, Jesus says, quote, The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God, end quote. Connected to Jesus' relationship with the Father stated above, Jesus commands his disciples three times to ask whatever they will in Jesus' name and it will be done for them. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verses 10 to 14, quote, The words that I tell you I speak not from myself, but the Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Most certainly I tell you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, 
and he will do greater works than these, because I am going to my Father. Whatever you will ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. End quote. Here it seems that Jesus is telling us to ask things in his name so that God the Father may be glorified in Jesus Christ, God's Son. To me, this indicates that Jesus' disciples should be praying that God the Father will be glorified in Jesus Christ through the works of the church. In John chapter 15, Jesus calls his disciples to bear fruit by abiding in Christ. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verses 7 through 11, quote, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it will be done for you. In this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. Even as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be made full. End quote. Abiding in Christ involves keeping Christ's commands and abiding in Christ's love. It is in this context of abiding in Christ that the disciple will ask whatever they desire, and it will be done for them. Here I suggest that prayer should be one of asking for God's help to keep Christ's commands and to abide in Christ's love and to bear much fruit for the glory of God the Father. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 16, quote, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you will ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you, end quote. Now, in John chapter 16, verses 23 to 28, Jesus again talks of his relationship with God the Father and for his disciples to ask what they will, and it will be done for them. The context is that Jesus' disciples would ask him questions when they didn't understand something. Typically, the questions asked by the disciples were questions about Jesus' teaching. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to be taking on that role since Jesus is going away. Now they will ask in Jesus' name, and they will receive the answer so their joy may be full. The Father wants to answer the prayers of Jesus' disciples because they love Jesus and they believe that Jesus came from God the Father. Jesus then plainly tells his disciples that he came from God the Father and is going to leave this world, and he will go to God the Father. Jesus also warns them that they will soon be scattered and will leave Jesus alone. But Jesus is not alone because God the Father is with Jesus. Jesus then tells the disciples that he said these things that they may have peace in Jesus. Even though they will have trouble in this world, they can cheer up because Jesus has overcome the world and its troubles. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Check out my website at UpwardJourneyBibleStudy.com 
where you can learn more about this podcast and other resources for spiritual growth. Always remember to keep God first in your life. Bye for now.